Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. I don't know if you are on holidays right now, but for me, I feel like I'm in holiday mode. Sometimes I end up being back at work, but I'm still in holiday mode. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is anybody in holiday mode right now? Just just show me. If you're in holiday mode right now, that's right. That's why you're at the 6 p.m. service because you didn't wake up in the a.m. And that's totally fine and, and no judgment here. That's what that means to me, by the way. Holiday mode simply means that I just stay up later and get up later. And I love it. And it's the best. And, uh, and we're, that's where we are right now. We're in holiday mode. And uh, for me, I'll, I'll be honest though, uh, I, I normally work best in routine. Is anybody just like a good routine person? Yeah, that's me. So, so for me, I, I work best when it's the same thing every day and I wake up and I know it's 6 a.m. and I've got to get to the gym or whatever. That's hopeful. But anyway, the point is, is that I do work best with routine when it's the same thing. And, and it's easy to get out of routine. You know, like at my house right now, we are totally out of routine. Uh, everyone's on break. Everyone's on holidays. My wife is a teacher. Uh, Pastor Sarah, she's a teacher. Kids are home. Right now, we have more time than ever to spend at home. I promise you this. Our house is more messy than it's ever been. And it's like we have more time than ever to clean it. And, and it doesn't seem to make a difference. It's just crazy. And I don't, I don't know if you uh, were aware of this, but children have the spiritual gift of messiness. And my kids, they absolutely do. And, and they can tidy everything in five minutes. They've totally destroyed it. And that's where it is right now, you know. And so I've got to go home. Hopefully while I'm here preaching, Sarah just picks up her game and she really gets on top of things. And it's okay to say that. She's not here. She won't hear this. And, and so that's, that's, that's fine, you know. Hopefully she, she does. And, and, and I go home and... I can promise you right now that's, that's, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, you, know, you know how to get our house tidy, though? I'll tell you the truth. If we want to get our house tidy, I just invite guests over. That's, that's how we get our house tidy. It's like a production at, at my home. You know, like even the kids, I'm like, get your butts into gear. Everyone is working at this to tidy up everything, you know? We kind of live in this age right now uh, where people, uh, they, they don't drop by your house anymore. They, people, no, nobody drops by. And, and, and I was chatting to some people recently, you know, admittedly, they were in their 60s. But they said, hey, I miss the good old days where people would just drop by at your home. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that we do not have those days right now. If, if you showed up at my house unannounced and we were totally underprepared for your visit, you say, hey, how are you? Can I come in? I'd be like, no. Nope. No, because we're just not ready for this visit. We're not ready for you to be here. You should have SMSed us, you know, and let us know that you were coming. We could have fixed up the whole house for you, you know. I don't want people walking in and saying, so this is how you live, you know. So, so this is, you know, this is, this is a, a terrible thing to feel like you're underprepared. Have you ever felt totally underprepared for something? Just completely underprepared. And in that moment, you knew that you didn't have what it took like I'll give you a good example of this. So I played basketball on Tuesday nights and it was about just over a month ago. And I was, um, we, I was at work all day Tuesday and it was, it was a really hot day, like super hot. So I'm talking like 43 degrees, 44 degrees. And, and, and so we were working hard all day and I, I don't remember getting much of a break that day. And so we sort of got through to the end of the day and, and, uh, and then I went straight to basketball and, and, and I got home, got changed, went straight there. And and then I was getting ready to play. And as I walked onto the court, like I tell you, I, I walked out and 
just kind of felt, maybe it's a level 38 issue, but I, I walked out and I felt a little bit underprepared for what was required of me in that moment. And my legs kind of felt kind of stiff, like they didn't, they didn't really want to work with me and, and they didn't really want to run. And so I'm, I, I don't want to ever be a person that lets myself off the hook. So I just give myself a good talking to. I hope I'm not the only one that does that. I say, come on, princess, get your act together. You're going to get out there. You're going to play. So, so push through the pain. That's what I told myself. And so in the first three minutes, I tried to push through the pain and I was, I was getting ready to move. And as I started to run and it wasn't anything really dramatic, we were just slowly moving down the court. And as I got ready to run, I went to move. And right then, uh, something shifted in my right calf muscle and I grabbed the sort of the back of my leg and the first step was strong, right? But the next three steps were kind of me skipping and, and holding my leg. And the moment that I did, everybody just on the court, like the other team as well, they were like, oh, you know, and, and, and the people on, you know, they made it feel worse for me. Like I was already feeling like, oh, that's not good. And when I saw their faces like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh, this is serious, you know? Well, I, I play basketball with one of the guys that comes to this church and he was, I heard him yell out. He wasn't far from me. He goes, no. And I was like, oh, that sounds really bad. Like this must be a really bad injury. And, and so I, 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 you know, subbed off the court and I was, I was just not ready for that moment. And it was a, it was a terrible thing because right in that moment, I was requesting something of my body that it just was not prepared to give. And, and you got to realize in life sometimes uh, there are going to be circumstances that demand you to be prepared. And it's a terrible feeling when you're not. Like, for example, uh, last year, late last year, we had to get our car fixed. And I went to the mechanic and, and I was ready for this. And so we had put the money aside and, and I paid for my car to get fixed. And then uh, about two weeks later, I don't know what he did with it. But two weeks later, the car's like, have, now it's having other problems. And so I took it back to him and, and he said, oh yeah, this is a totally separate issue. We need, we need to fix this because it's totally undrivable. I was like, oh, okay. I was not prepared for that second service. And then he handed me the bill and boy, was I not prepared for that bill either. It's like, I just saw how many numbers were in that, that price, you know, and I was underprepared for it. And it's a terrible feeling when you're underprepared, when you know you just don't have what it takes. And it's so easy for this to happen to us in life. Like for example, this can easily happen to you physically. That's what happened to me with my leg. It's super easy for this to happen to us financially. And I promise you, it's really easy to happen to you spiritually. There's a story in the Bible about two guys called Peter and John. And Peter and John were disciples of Jesus. They spent time with him while he was alive. And at this point in the story, uh, they had uh, walked with Jesus. He died on the cross. He had been buried, was resurrected, ascended to heaven, and then the Spirit of God fell on His disciples and filled them with the Holy Spirit. And so here they are uh, praying and seeking God. And, and one day Peter and John, they get up and uh, I don't know what they thought they'd encounter that day, but they just got up and they were just living their lives, you know, and they were on their way to the temple. And on their way to the temple, you would constantly find uh, people that would beg, you know, beggars, just hoping for a little bit of money, uh, hoping to make it through the day. And so there's this guy there and he's just asking everyone for money. You know, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And, and John and Peter, uh, they see this guy. And so they, kind of, they must have locked eyes at some point. And then he, he, he went straight up to the man and he knew what he wanted, you know. And he knew he wanted silver and he wanted gold. And he said this thing, Peter said this thing that was, I think, so simple and yet incredibly profound. And he said, silver and gold I do not have. And here's the profound part. He says, but what I have... I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up. And so with that, the man's ankles become strong 
and he gets up to his feet and uh, he's just praising God. And so they go into the temple and this man follows them. He's jumping around the temple. People recognize him. This is just an absolutely incredible miracle. But the amazing part is, is that Peter said, what I have, I give to you. There was something that Peter had that he was able to give away. You know, you can't give what you don't have. It seems so simple, but boy, it's easy to live on empty, isn't it? And, and, and there will be moments, times and seasons in your life where certain things will be demanded of you in a moment, maybe spiritually, maybe physically, maybe financially. And if you don't have anything to give away, you're going to get stuck. That's a terrible place to be. In fact, if you start to look into the well right now, when I say the word well, I'm, I'm talking about deep inside yourself. That's what I mean when I say well. Like if you look deep inside yourself and, and, and look at your own well, you say, hey, what, what's really going on inside of here? What's really happening in here? How, how deep is this well that's in me right now? How much do I have today that I could, in a moment, start to give something away? How many scripture verses do you have that, that you just know? How, how many scriptures do you know so well that in a moment you could just give it away? There are so many times where things like that are demanded of us. You, you meet somebody that doesn't really know much about God and they come to you and they say, hey, where in the Bible does it talk about God loving people? And you're like, oh, it's in the New Testament? Because you, at that moment, you think, I, I don't really know if I even have one scripture in my mind where the Bible says that God is love. What if someone came to you and they said, what does the Bible say about salvation? And you're like, well, it says a lot, you know, it's a lot. It says a lot about salvation. Where does it say it? Look, I think it's best if you just read it for yourself and get that revelation for yourself. It's good for you. I don't want to I want to skip you ahead or anything like that. Really, it's because if you look inside the well, you suddenly realize, man, there's, there's actually not a lot in here. And it's amazing how people can just keep up appearances. And on the outside, we see people and they look totally spiritual. But on the inside, there's not much in that well. There's not much that's spiritually going on. So you could actually come to church and be sitting here in this room right now and be one of the most faithful pe people at Bright Church. You're here every week. We see you. You even serve on a, on a team. You're part of a small group. And even though there's all this activity that you got going on in your life, maybe even some of it religious activity, we might call it, you committed to a lot of things. But if we were to look at your well spiritually, if we were to look deep into what's going on inside of you and the kind of relationship you have between yourself and Jesus, would we find much in that place? Because you might come into this room and listen to the revelation of other people and, and enjoy it and, and all the rest, right? But there will come a moment where there's something that you need to give away. Spiritually speaking, there's something that you need to now pour out from you. And if, if you don't have much going on, you are what we might call spiritually dry. And spiritually dry is a horrible place to be. On the outside, it looks like everything's okay. But on the inside, we take a look and there's just, there's nothing in the well. And this is the thing you need to know. If you're spiritually dry, you've got nothing to give. That's why life gets hard for people sometimes. That's why it gets difficult for Christians that are spiritually dry. They're not connected to Jesus. They're just connected to church and religion. 
and, and life gets hard for them and it's because they're not renewing their mind in the truth of who God is and what he does and, and they start to feel pressure and tension that they might not have if they just immerse themselves in the things of God. And, and even though everything that I'm saying to you is so obvious, it's really easy to live dry, spiritually speaking. I got this app that's on my watch and you're going to laugh because you're going to think that this is just totally dumb. But I have this app that reminds me to drink water. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me to drink water. Some of you are concerned because as your pastor, you think he has outsourced his brain to a level that now he requires technology to tell him when he's thirsty. What kind of person would require like, like an app to say it's time for you to drink? I'll tell you something right now. Life is busy and it's so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life and you just forget to drink. So, so here's the thing. I don't know if you're aware of this, but as a human being, for, for me personally, I got to have about two and a half liters of water every single day, right? About two and a half liters. And when you get busy and caught up, you just forget that that's even a thing that you need to do. And some of you are like, are you crazy? Like when you feel thirsty, you just start to drink. Oh, no, that's where you go wrong. Because the moment that you're thirsty, that's the moment you realize you're actually dehydrated. So if you're waiting till you are dehydrated before you start to drink, hey, come on, that's not the best way to live. I feel like people could do this spiritually, you know. It'd be so easy to be spiritually dehydrated and not even be aware that there's not much in the well going on. And this is what I've learned about this. It's not apparent that you're spiritually dry until something is spiritually demanded of you. You know, that, that's how I hurt my, my calf that, that day when I played basketball, by the way. When I played basketball, that, that day was 40 degrees. And I was so busy at work, I, I didn't actually have any water. And so I didn't drink any water. I rushed straight to the game and I got ready to play and I went to take off. And what happened is all I experienced was a really bad leg cramp, you know, and, and it was painful. So, I mean, I'm still doing exercises to get, it, to get it right, you know, but all I experienced was a leg cramp. And in that moment, you know what I did? I demanded something of my body that I was totally underprepared to give. And that is a terrible place to be. When suddenly you realize that something is demanded of you in a moment and yet you are underprepared to meet that. You are underprepared to give, especially when it comes to spiritual things. And so I want to read a scripture to you today. This comes out of Matthew chapter 25. It begins in verse 1. And to give you some context for this scripture, Jesus has just finished speaking to his disciples and he's speaking to them about the fact that he is coming back to earth. I don't know if you're new to church, but Jesus died, was buried, he was resurrected. But how many of us know that there's coming a day where he's going to come back? And so, oh gosh, like no one. All right, well, he is. Guys, it's happening. And all I can promise you is that you are totally underprepared for when that happens because the Bible says that no one knows the time or the hour. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's absolutely going to happen. And so he tells them this stuff and then he goes straight into this parable about the kingdom. And this is how he explains it. Jesus speaking says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. 
Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour. It's easy to be underprepared and unaware. I kind of feel sorry for these five virgins that were totally underprepared and they were totally unaware. And I guess I could see how it could happen. Maybe I'll explain the story to you. Um, first of all, we know that this is absolutely a made up story, right? The reason we know it's a made-up story is because in this story, the groom was late. That's how you know. I've done so many weddings. I promise you right now, the groom. It's never, it is never the groom. It's always the bride. So as soon as we read that, we know, hey, he's making this thing up, right? But, but here's what happened, right? So, so the groom is late. And, and the way that they would do marriage ceremonies, right, is that they would get ready at the groom's house and the bridesmaids and the bride would be at, the bride's house and so they would walk they would wait till it got dark and then they would walk from the groom's house all the way through the streets of like Jerusalem or wherever and they would walk and make their way to the bride's house there they would do the ceremony and then after the ceremony everyone would get up and they'd leave and they'd walk back to the groom's house where they would have the marriage feast and 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 go in and have a big old party and 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 enjoy that. That's that's how they used to do it. It kind of helps you to know who's who in the story as well. So there are many times in in the Bible where it refers to God as the husband of Israel. And, and so I think that the whole idea that we're meant to understand here is that God has this very close relationship with his people. That's what we're supposed to understand. So in this story, the bridegroom is really Jesus and he's coming back and they got to be ready for him when he comes back and, and, and five were ready and five were not ready. And, and these guys, I, I feel sorry for them because they waited and waited and waited. And I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. I totally hate waiting. I actually have an app on my phone. It's called Skip. You, do you know what this is? And then, so I don't like to line up. I don't want to queue up. I want to order my coffee ahead of time. I walk in. I've already paid for it on the app. I can walk into multiple cafes, walk in, grab my coffee, go back, have a drink. When I, when I go to Grilled, I use the app and I'll order ahead of time. You know, Grilled is always busy. I don't know where we're having dinner tonight, but maybe if it's a Grilled, you're going to think about this. Because when I walk in and I see the big line, I just go, suckers. Walk past all of them, go straight to the kitchen. There's my burger ready for me to eat. I hate waiting. The bridesmaids, they did not like to wait. And so they got tired of waiting. They're like, you know what? This thing is clearly off. It's not happening. You know, it's over. I guess if Jesus was going to show up or the bridegroom, I guess if the bridegroom was going to show up, he would have been here by now. Hey, can I just encourage someone here tonight? You've been waiting for Jesus to come through in a situation or a circumstance in your life. And just because it seems late doesn't mean that he's not on time. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows the circumstances that you're in. He knows when he needs to be there. In this story, here he comes and he's, he's coming and he's a little bit late, but eventually he arrives and they're asleep at this moment and somebody yells out, hey, 
The bridegroom is here. And suddenly all the virgins, they, they wake up and they're like, oh my gosh, like we're not ready for this. And five of them had a flask where they had extra oil and five of them didn't. And those that didn't, they looked at their lamps and they said, oh, what are we going to do? We, we, we don't have enough, you know. And, and I look at these uh, five virgins that didn't have enough and I think to myself, man, I, I kind of feel sorry for them, you know. Like they didn't know that they were going to need that extra oil. What's happening is a crazy circumstance. No one gets married at midnight. They were never thinking in a a million years that the bridegroom was eventually going to come. They probably just thought, hey, this is a tomorrow problem. We'll go get more oil then. They didn't realize that it would be demanded of them in that moment and that they were going to come up short. And so these these five uh, foolish virgins, I read the story and I think, man, these guys, they, they were actually good people. They, they were good, you know, they were there. They showed up. They, they had lamps, you know. They had committed themselves to a life of, you know, following God and, and, and there's something pure about them, you know. And, and, and here they are and, and they had the absolute best intentions. They just, you know, they just didn't have what it takes. Man, what it would be if we could just be measured on our intentions, you know. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't it be good if you just had really good intentions and God was totally impressed by your really nice ideas, you know, because that's really all intentions are. They're really nice ideas of something that you might do, but you haven't actually done yet. You know, like what, what if someone was thinking, you know, I, I plan, I've got the intention of being a generous person, but I'm just going to wait till I get rich. And when I get rich, then I'll be generous. So it's a beautiful idea but you're just not presently being generous. But nice idea, all the same, really great. You know, that's all it is. It's just thinking. Can I, can I tell you that God doesn't bless your thoughts as though they were actions? God, I just had the most beautiful idea. I'm just wondering if you would bless it right now. He's like, well, how about you? How about you do something about that beautiful idea? It's not just good intentions. Remember what the scriptures say? Blessed be the work of our hands. And so if you want to start to see some blessing in your life, you've got to eventually move from dreams and visions and intentions and great ideas and start to actually do something with what you're intending to do. Because God doesn't bless intentions, He'll bless what you do. And so here they are and they've got the best intentions. They really do. But they're totally underprepared. There's this gap that they can't cross. And this, this gap that they can't cross is the difference between absolute success and total failure. It's, it's that big. And it seems like a small thing, but it has significant consequences. And you know what the gap was, right? The gap was simply that they didn't have enough oil. See, what would happen is the bridesmaids would light their torches or their lamps. Think of it like a torch, you know, so they light the oil and then they would hold the light and they would walk back through the village, lighting the way as they went. They didn't have what was required in that moment to make the journey. And so here they are and, and, and they five of them failed terribly. Why? Oh gosh, all they missed out on was a little bit of oil. That's all it was. It seems kind of crazy when you look at the end of the story and you realize the significance of the consequences, but all they, all they were missing was just a little bit of oil. Might help you to know what oil represents before you think it's only a small thing though. See, in the scriptures, 
oil represents the Holy Spirit. And so what they were missing was the Spirit. What they were missing in that moment, when we talk about oil, oil is what was used when they would anoint people. And in the Scriptures, many times over, they would anoint people that had divine purpose. You know, so when God calls you, He also has an anointing for your life that matches the level of your call so that when you're asked to do something, you have what's required to complete it. It's called anointing. You know, this is what we mean when somebody is called and set apart for a holy and designated purpose. We use this word called sanctification. That's all it means. Set apart for a holy purpose, you know, and and here they are and, and, and they're lacking oil. They're lacking oil, but oil represents the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God. Now they've got a journey ahead through dark times and dark streets. Can I tell you something that you need to get tonight? Is that if you've got good intentions to walk out into dark places, but you're not carrying the presence and the Spirit of God, and you're not not walking in the anointing that God's got on your life, you won't have what it requires to make the journey. We're supposed to take the light of God into dark places. But if you don't have the oil, if you don't have that anointing, if you don't have it, you're not going to have what is required to do the job. And and these five foolish virgins, they meant well. Oh, they had great intentions, but they just didn't have what it took. And if you read the story, what does it say? It says, go see the dealers, you know, the dealers of, that's what they used to call dealers. (laughs) Let me go see my dealer (laughs) to get oil. And so they went to their dealer. This is getting weird now. So, they went to their dealer, but they got oil. And so what happens? They, they come back and, and then they go straight up to the door and they knock on the door. Hey, can we still get in? And what does the master say? He's like, oh, that door is shut. That's, that's happened. See, while they were away, the bridegroom, he'd come and left. He, he was gone at this moment. And so the door of opportunity to walk into the marriage feast that door was shut. If you understand the context of this scripture, it's really saying that walking into the marriage feast is like walking on and into eternity. And if you want to walk this journey, if you want to live this kind of life, you need to walk with Jesus because the only way you're getting through the doors in eternity is if you're with Jesus when you go through. He's got to be with you. If He's not with you, you're not going to get in. You can't do it on their own. They were away when he went in and, and they came back and he said, oh, come on, it's too late. You, you, you can't go in anymore. Can I tell you that there are doors of opportunity that if you're completely underprepared for, will pass you by because you didn't have what was demanded in the moment to act on what you saw needed to be changed or fixed or different. The Spirit of God is meant to be in you and flowing out of you all of the time so that when you come across a situation that demands the attention of God, you've got something in the well that you can give away. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. If they didn't have it, the window of opportunity would have closed for the beggar and he wouldn't be walking around praising God 
because they would have just walked right by him. I wonder if they even would have seen the window of opportunity had they not realized that God was with them and they could do impossible things. I, I wonder if they even would have seen the opportunity in the first place. Man, if we're, if we're underprepared, if we don't carry the Spirit of God and the presence of God into our lives, man, we're not going to live out anything that we're supposed to be doing. See, when I, when I look at this story, to be totally transparent, I can see so easily why the five foolish virgins, why they would run out of oil. I can see it. No one expected this to happen. The, really, honestly, the bridegroom coming at midnight, like no one expected this to happen. But I can see how they would have run out of oil. That kind of makes sense. But when it comes to the spiritual things of this life and you and I and walking with God and being filled with the presence of the Spirit, running out of oil, honestly, well, that's just a stupid problem to have. That, that, that's a stupid problem to have because the Holy Spirit's got more oil than you got problems. He, he doesn't run out. How can you run out of what God has to give? Think about it like this. He, he's got a limitless supply that He can pour out into your life. No, 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 no. If you're running out of oil, that's not a God-related problem. That's a you-related problem. You know what it is? It's really just a capacity issue. It's like you just don't have the, if I say the word capacity, could we think about it like this? What about if I just use the word room? You haven't made the room in your life for the Spirit of God to fill it. You haven't, you haven't deepened the well. It, it, it's not full because it's just shallow and there's not much in there. You, you, you have a capacity issue. That's what will limit the flow of oil in your life. Because if he's got a limitless supply and you're running out, that's something about you, not about him. He's got more than enough to give. And trust me, you don't need to convince God that what he's doing on planet earth with the church and, and reaching the lost, you don't have to convince him that that's a good idea. Jesus gave his life for it. He's all in. Are you? There's a great story in the Bible about a, a, a widow who... Uh, is in debt. And so the creditor is coming now to collect from her, but she's a widow. Her husband has died. She has two sons. She's in debt. She has no way to pay uh, her creditor back. So what is she going to do? And, and, and this culture in this day and this age, what would happen is, and this would happen frequently, is that if you couldn't pay your debts, they would come and they would take your children as slaves and the children would begin to work off the debt. Now, if you're a widow uh, and, and your sons are also taken in this kind of patriarchal society, you're in a serious problem right now. You, you don't want your sons to be taken as well. So, so she's kind of panicking and she's concerned. And she goes to the prophet Elisha and she says to him, hey, this is my situation. What should I do? And, and Elisha says, well, uh, what, do you, what do you got at home? What do you got in your house? She says, well, I have just a jar, one jar with a little bit of oil in it. He goes, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're, you're going to go to all of your neighbors and you're going to collect every vessel that you can. 
you're going to collect anything that contains anything and you're just going to get every little dish. You're going to grab a soap dish, a dog bowl, whatever it takes. You're going to grab every vessel, grab that vase, get rid of the flowers. You don't need those. You know, you tip everything out. You're going to get everything that can contain anything. You're going to borrow it from all of your neighbors. Then you're going to go into your house. You're going to close the door. You're going to take that little jar of oil and you're going to begin to pour it into all of those vessels. Once that's done, you sell the oil and you pay off your debts. She says, wow, that's great. So she gets her sons. That's exactly what they do. They go out, they get all the vessels, they bring them back, they close the door. And the most amazing thing happens. They begin to pour out the oil and it begins to fill the vessels. And, and in true miracle form, the oil doesn't run out. The Spirit of God is never going to run out. He's got more than enough oil for you. He's got more than enough anointing. He's got more than enough of His presence to handle every season, situation, circumstance. If you're running out, it's because of you, not because of Him. And so He's got, here's the oil, it's being poured out and they're just filling up everything that they can, you know. Fill it up, fill it up. You know, the sun's like, oh, pour it into my hands. Whatever we can do, just, just pour it out, right? And, and then uh, the, the widow, she says, quick, pass me another vessel, right? And then one of the sons says, we're out. We've got no more room. And the moment that he says that, the oil stops. It stopped because they ran out of room. There was more than enough. I mean, that thing could have just lasted forever if they had have had more vessels. They could have just kept pouring out. The only reason it stopped flowing is because they ran out of room. You don't want to run out of room. For God in your life, it's too important for what God has for you. You don't want to run out when God has a limitless supply that He's willing to pour out. And if you want to increase your capacity, it's not rocket science. How do you deepen the well? How do you increase capacity so that God can pour out more into you? This is what you do. You spend time with Him. Supernatural stuff is a relational dynamic. That's how that works. You can go to church, wear the t-shirt, serve on a team, be in a small group and still not have much going on with God. When it comes to the Spirit and the things of God, it's an intensely personal thing that happens simply between you and God. And it can't be lived out vicariously through someone else. You can't just live off the revelation of other people and constantly be listening and, and around it, but never quite in and all in, if you know what I'm talking about. You, you, you need to step into that. You know, just because you, uh, just because you get into your car and you decide that instead of listening to the radio, whoa, you know what? I'm going to listen to a worship Spotify playlist. Wow. Yes. Deep. No, that's, come on. That's not going to help you. You listen to podcasts nonstop. That's awesome. But you can be listening and just getting more information without ever spiritually connecting with the, with the presence of God. It's a totally separate thing. And if you confuse one for the other, you're going to end up living a very spiritually dry life and you'll wonder why it's happening. But I'm around it. I know you're around it. The problem is you're just not in it. When it comes to increasing your capacity, how about you do this, right? Why don't you just fast? Like that means going without food. Yep. And don't do it because the church is wanting, running one week of prayer and fasting. You want spiritual breakthrough, then why don't you just fast for it? You know? I, I always say if you want breakthrough, 
um, then you can go to God and, and get breakthrough sometimes. I mean, you'll, you'll fast if you're hungry enough for spiritual change, you know? So what do you do? Well, you fast and you pray, you be devoted, you connect with God on a regular basis. And, 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 and when it comes to connecting with God, you can make it look like work or worship up to you. Like so many things that we do, they can be work or worship. It's just the attitude of your heart when you do it. I've seen people that, that make coffee, but they do it as an act of worship to serve God because they love Him and they love serving other people. And for other people, they're just getting paid. You decide whether it's work or worship. You be as committed as you want to, to God and, and, and get as close as you can to Him. You deepen your capacity. So many people are passionate, have brilliant ideas, have the best intentions, they just lack oil for the journey. They don't have what it takes to make it through. If you try to set out on that journey down the dark streets and you're not carrying the Spirit or the presence of God with you, you're not going to have what you need to make it all the way through to the other end. You need to be a carrier of the presence and the Spirit of God. And for some of you that come to church regularly and, and you're listening to this, you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like the Holy Spirit, when you talk about the Spirit of God, like, when he fills a person, he doesn't give them half of himself, right? It's like, it's not like he gave Ruth 100%, but Zach 50%. <laughs> that's not what's happening. Now, when the Spirit of God fills you, you, you that's just the one Spirit. It's, he gives you all of himself, right? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, Right? The same Spirit of Christ, that the, the Holy Spirit that, that lives in a three-year-old girl is the same Spirit that, that goes into a, a person that's in their mid-50s is the way it works, right? But come on, let's be serious for just a moment. If you want to live in that isolated fantasy and idea that it's all the same and everyone's equal, just take a quick moment and look around because you don't see the Spirit of God working the same way in everyone, do you? No, you never see that. When the Spirit of God begins to move, we use this word, it's called manifest. It means to make something plain and obvious. Spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit and the presence of God. And it becomes very obvious. Look, you, you pray for someone and see them healed, right? And it's really obvious that the Spirit has manifested in that moment because that person has been healed. And it's so obvious to everyone that something spiritually just happened. And there are some people that will walk in that. And the manifestation and the Spirit of God is so obvious in them. And other people would tell you, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. And you're like, really? I've never seen that. Uh, you'd have to convince me that there's something inside of you. If I was to look at you, I, I don't know, I can't tell. Like, I've never seen the Spirit of God move in your, in your life. There, there, do you see that there is a difference? So yes, we're all filled with the same Spirit, but He moves differently in the lives of people that are hungry and devoted to Him. So this life, this kind of life that I'm talking about, the kind of life where you run down and you chase the promises of God, and, and, and you do everything to live out your calling and your purpose and, and walk in what God has for you. For this life, the presence of God isn't optional, it's essential. It's not optional, it's essential. You absolutely need it. And the five wise virgins, they understood this. And so they, they made a small difference. They just took a little extra oil. 
what, what did they have? They had an increased capacity to carry more. Their well was just that bit deeper. They had made more room for more oil. So when it was demanded of them in a moment, they were not underprepared. They had what they needed to make the journey ahead. And I think about this as, an, as a recipe for life. Wouldn't that be a great way to live? Not waiting till you're dehydrated and spiritually dry before you decide to act on it. But if every day you woke up and you said, I'm just going to make a little more room for the Spirit of God to move in my life. I'm going to create a little more capacity. I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time. I'm going to pray to Him when I'm, when I'm out and, and, and I'm, I'm driving the car. I'm going to make as much room as I can in my life because the more room you make, the more He can begin to pour out His presence into your life. And if you want to live this life, it's not optional. It's essential. And let me tell you something else. God isn't just essential for this journey. He's essential for eternity. See, the only way that the virgins with the extra oil, good as they were, the only way that they got through the doors into the marriage feast, the only way that they walked through is because they were walking with the bridegroom. And if you want to walk on into eternity, you've got to have Jesus with you. Because if, if you don't walk with Him, if you don't have Him with you, and you try to get in on your own, you're just not going to get there. Believe it or not, especially if you're new to church, believe it or not, this is what we actually call good news. We call it the gospel. And the gospel is such an encouraging, uplifting, and outrageously inspiring message because essentially what that message means, what the gospel is all about, is the fact that each one of us have made mistakes in our lives. Every single one of us have this issue that's called sin. I'm no different to you. We all have the same issue called sin. And if we don't deal with that, then we can't enter into eternity. And so when Jesus came, the Bible says that God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son. And whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For the Son of Man didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but in order that would be saved by Him. The whole reason Jesus came from heaven to earth was to connect with people, to walk with them, and to make sure that He was in a position to be able to forgive them of their sins. He did that by paying the penalty for our sins on the cross. So when He died, He said, I'm paying your penalty. And if you believe by faith that what He did back 2,000 years ago applies to you, in that moment, your entire eternal destination is changed. From that moment, you begin to walk with Jesus. And if you walk with Him and you stick with Him, you're going to walk from this life all the way through and on into eternity. Man, I, I tell you right now, you need the presence and the Spirit of God because a day will come. A day will come when you will absolutely need the presence of God. It's going to happen in this life or the next. You're going to die and meet your maker. And, and in that moment, you're going to really hope that you have been walking with Jesus so that you can move from this place and live with God for eternity. You, you, you need this. 
it's not something that you can just want if you want to live this life, if you want to walk into eternity. You absolutely need this. And so as I close tonight, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Please, in 2020, you got dreams, you got visions, you are passionate, you, you, you are excited. Right now, those things, they are simply good intentions. And God doesn't bless your uh, ideas or your intentions. He'll bless what you do. So here's what you need to do. You need to make a significant change in your life. Don't live dry. Stop being spiritually dry. Begin to make room in your life for the presence of God so that in a moment when it's demanded of you, you have something to give away in that moment. Don't live vicariously through the podcasts that you listen to as you get into your car and, and, and think that just because you're around religious activity that something is happening there. You don't want to be spiritually dry and I promise you this. Man, God doesn't want you to be spiritually dry. He doesn't want that. He gave His whole life so that He could be closer than hands and feet. Start to make room. Start to make room. Don't live dry anymore. Don't miss out on what God has because you weren't close enough to Him. You make this decision. Never, never look back. Never look at this as a season in your life that came and went. This is, and what I'm talking about tonight, this is an entire lifestyle shift and change to walk with Him every day to have the Spirit and the presence of God overflowing in your life. He's never going to run out. There's more than enough oil to go around. He wants to pour it out into your life. Don't miss out because you haven't created capacity and room for Him. Here's what I want to do tonight. Why don't you, why don't you close your eyes for a minute? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.